Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hello and welcome to the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and here's what's making news this week. Livery season is in full swing with the covers coming off a number of Gen 3 Ford Mustangs and Chevrolet Camaros in the last week. We've seen race liveries from Erebus Motorsport, Team 18, Brad Jones Racing, Tickford Racing with a cool-looking Castrol car, Matt Stone Racing, Walkinshaw and United, as well as a testing livery from Triple Eight. We'll discuss what we've seen so far in more detail later in the pod. The formats, tyre allocations and pit order for the 2023 Supercar season have been revealed. There was little in the way of big surprises, although interestingly, the Bathurst 1000 will be run on soft compound Dunlops rather than the hard compound. There have been more changes and postponements to the Gen 3 testing with Triple H shelving plans to run its Camaros again today after a productive shakedown last week. Instead, the team will wait until after the all-in test on February 22 before it uses another day of its allocation. MSR and Dick Johnson Racing were meant to test today as well, but have moved their running back to Thursday due to a poor weather forecast. Team 18 has also shifted its first shakedown from Wednesday to Thursday. Speaking of Gen 3 testing, it's come to light that there was some driver swapping going on at the performance comparison test at Queensland Raceway last month, seeing Shane Van Gisbergen cut laps in the Mustang while James Courtney drove the Camaro. Daniel Ricciardo has been logging some supercars laps too. The Red Bull F1 star sampling a Gen 2 Mustang at the M1 Concourse circuit as part of a visit to Ford HQ in Michigan. Zach Best will return to Super 2 this season thanks to a deal to race an ex-DJR team Penske-built Mustang for Anderson Motorsport. He's still expected to team up with Tickford Racing for the Sandown 500 and the Bathurst 1000. The Speed Series broadcast won't be produced by Supercars Media this year. ARG and Motorsport Australia have decided to take an in-house approach to its TV production using AVE for camera hardware. British Touring Car Championship race winner Tom Oliphant is set to debut in TCR Australia this month, racing an Ash Seawood Motorsport Alfa Romeo. Jordan Boys, meanwhile, has committed to an entire S5000 Australian Drivers' Championship season with Gary Rogers Motorsport. And Jock Goodyear is the 2023 Australian Sprint Car Champion after dominating the 60th running of the national titles at the Perth Motorplex on Saturday night. He led home Lachlan McHugh and Callum Williamson in the feature race. Dylan Beveridge won a second consecutive Australian Formula 500 title on the same night. Joining me this week to discuss all that and more is a teammate that is surely as sick as I am at writing headlines with unveiled or breaks cover in them, Stefan Bartholomew. Stefan, how are you enjoying this livery season? Well, I'm loving livery season, Andrew, but maybe that is because I'm not having to write any of those words. I I leave that to the experts. I'm just a humble book writer uh, these days, Andrew. I'm very jealous. If if ever there is a time I'm most jealous of your lack of having to crack into news day in, day out, it's definitely at the moment because 
it does get pretty hard to keep coming up with different, particularly when there's like four or five of them on one day and they're all going to be butted up against each other, you know, on the website. You want you need some sort of difference and, oh, man, it's pretty hard. But anyway, let's uh, the, the good part about livery season is we actually get to see some cool racing cars and it's even kind of cooler this year because of these Gen 3 cars and we're really actually seeing something uh, completely different. So, um, look, I reckon we should dive into a bit of livery discussion and chat about what we do like and what we don't like from what we have seen so far. Now, of course, this is subjective. It's all personal taste and all that. So, you know, we're not trying to upset anybody, but um, let's have a little run through, you know, the, the, the more recent unveilings and maybe name our, our hits and misses so far, Stefan. So I'll go through what I'm liking so far. Now, obviously the Castrol car, and I'm not just saying that because this is the Castrol pod. I do actually genuinely think that it's a cleaner, sharper livery than last year, and it just works on that Mustang shape very nicely. So I think that's a really good one. Um, I reckon it was a good decision from MSR to flip the orange and the black on that truck assist livery. It really makes the car pop and it gives it some, there's some pretty strong HSV dealer team vibes sort of going on there with that look. Now those cars look pretty good. Um, the, the WAU cars are really interesting. I remember uh, AJ Wiles, the team's comms man saying at Bathurst that, you know, when they, when they unveiled the prototype Mustang, that that had kind of piqued the team's interest in going down the, the, the white background path. And that's exactly what has happened. I feel like it's a little angle dependent based on the picks. It can almost feel like it's not quite enough on one angle. But then, for example, you look at the front end of either of those cars and they really look super tough. Um, and I like the integration of the Mobile One logo in the GT stripe too. And, you know, they've done something different. That's always nice to see, something to be applauded. Um, and BJR has some real surprise packets in the mix as well. Like I wasn't necessarily sold on the Pizza Hut livery immediately when I was, when it landed as a press release and just still photos, but it looks great in some of the on-track uh, on picks from Winton today. There's kind of like a, some some Marlboro vibes almost going on there. And I never thought I would say this, Stefan, but how good does that R&J batteries car look? Like the side detail matches the Camaro beautifully. That's an absolute winner that I wasn't really expecting to be a winner. What's, uh, what's taking your fancy so far, mate? Yeah, I'm sort of struggling to pick a favourite because there are so many contenders and like you were sort of saying there like a lot of the cars seem to look even better on track than they do in the launch photos and that's a lot about the body language of them and you know bjr put some photos out today where they were spitting some flames as well which is uh, which is super cool but i think like you i'm interested to see how those wau designs do look on the track like they might get a little bit lost in a colorful pack of cars even though they look sort of neat in in the photos but for me the most intriguing livery at this point has actually been the Cam Waters Mustang because that's been out there without a livery on it at all. It's just been in a plain gray. And the fact that Cam is using a James Courtney race suit rather than a monster one and all the monster merch has gone from the Tickford online shop, all of this has sparked a few questions. What's what's going on there? Look, I think there is definitely something going on there. I'll just firstly say it is a shame that racing cars need money to go racing because that car looks amazing in that sort of carbon footage uh, finish. It's like it, probably it one of the toughest liveries we've seen and it's just got nothing on it. But unfortunately, um, that's not even taking a simple livery approach to a, to a workable area. They're going to need some money at some point. Now, where that money is going to come from, there is a little bit of a question mark over that. You know, the team line last week was that Cam left his suit at home and had to borrow one of JC's, which luckily was in the truck, which is – Pretty cheeky, I think. Um, from what I understand, that the monster deal isn't done yet. Uh, I was told last week that it was all, you know, it was all just a formality. Uh, but the longer these things drag on, the more you start to think that there's really something not quite right here. Um, I do have sources suggesting 
the deal could be in trouble. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next week or so before we head to Sydney for this all-in test either way, you know. But there's definitely – we've got to the point where there's way too much smoke for there not to be some sort of fire going on. So, yeah, there's definitely there's, – there's something happening there and it will be fascinating to see which way it plays out. Well, hopefully they can get it together because it's a great brand to have in the championship as well as obviously yeah. important to have sponsors on, on the front-running cars for the teams. And we should also say it's not the first time that they've rolled out pre-season with a plain black, but, um, yeah, there's not normally this sort of uh, smoke around it. Yeah, for sure. I think it was the very first year, it would have been 2016, where the, the car tested with black with like just some green detail on it because they hadn't actually announced the mm. deal yet, but everyone sort of knew where it was going and that looked pretty cool as well. So, yeah, look, not unprecedented, but certainly the amount of talk and it actually extends back to I think even the Gold Coast last year where there was some rumblings of maybe some discontent. Like I say, it could all get solved and we could see a monster car roll out. Hopefully we do because I would imagine that like a plain black monster Mustang on this Gen 3 shape is going to look pretty cool if and when that does come together. Um, but, yeah, let's just wait and see what plays out in the days ahead. There has been some interesting discussion around wheel nuts during the shakedowns and testing that we've seen so far, uh, Stefan. Of course, we know that David Reynolds actually lost the wheel uh, from his Grove Racing Mustang uh, during Grove's first shakedown at Winton the other week. Um, it's still not entirely clear if that was a user error uh, or a nut failure. Supergus is adamant it was the former, although that could, of course, be tied into the fact that this is a much smaller wheel nut and it's much more intricate in terms of, um, you know, the 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 way that the gun has to grip on to the nut itself. So accuracy is does seem it's going to have to become a lot more important when it comes to getting these wheel nuts on. Um, but what has really definitely been an issue that, you know, a lot of teams have talked about is these uh, is the retaining clip in these new wheel nuts. So as I said, they're smaller and they're lighter than the old wheel nuts. Um, the idea, the reason they've made them smaller and lighter is, is they want teams to be able to use electric rattle guns when they're working on the cars in the garage, not have to use the big noisy pneumatic guns uh, when the cars are just sitting up on jacks uh, in the garage. And if you've ever walked around a garage, you've heard the cry of noise plenty of times and they're about to start pulling wheels on and off. They will still use the heavy pneumatic artillery for the actual pit stops. Um, and these new nuts are retained in the rim by a circlip rather than the flared tangs like on the old wheels. At least that was the, so the, the system they were planning on using, but it appears these clips haven't been working that well. So a solution is being tested at Winton today, Supercars is pretty calm about it. it. Feels like they're saying, you know, these sort of teething issues are fairly inevitable. Um, Stefan, what do you make of it? Yeah, I guess as as usual, it's sort of surprising that it's got to this point that they're still trying to solve that stuff. I mean, they did have an issue of this nature going on with the prototypes, definitely at that December test that they did last year, where it was really hot and they had some wheels getting stuck on. So it's certainly not good if you've got wheels that stay on when you want them to come off and they come off when you want them to stay on when they're on the track. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's something they definitely need to solve, obviously, before Newcastle, but uh, the teams are busy, a few of them working together and a few of them working on their own solutions. So, 
you know, there's been so much track running, it feels like, in the last uh, week and a bit. Like, for so long, we've been talking about them not having much testing before Newcastle, but now there's stuff happening every day because of these flexible testing rules. And, yeah, it's interesting to see how the teams have sort of used them in different ways, like um, some spreading their shakedowns out so that they can sort of maximise the learnings and then others like BJR doing four at once today. It's uh, That's quite interesting. Well, speaking of testing, uh, our mate Tommy Randall has been in action at Winton today in that brand new Castro whip. Um, he's done a couple of days in a row, actually. So I thought I'd grab him on the phone for a chat about his first Gen 3 impressions. And here's what he had to say. Uh, Thomas Randall, two days now at Winton in the brand new Castro Tickford Racing Gen 3 Ford Mustang. What are your first impressions of this new generation of car that we're about to go racing with? G'day, AVL. Um, yeah, two days are done in the new beast. And firstly, massive credit to obviously the team, Tickford Racing, for, you know, it's been a massive summer. Um, my number one mechanic, Corey, has been pretty much flat out. And uh, obviously all, all the guys and girls back at the shop, sub-assembly, machining, you know, there's just so many departments that, you know, uh, owed credit to getting not just one but four of these cars on the track. Um and, uh, I mean, look, to, to run two days pretty much faultlessly, no major issues. I think we clocked up over 210 laps just in my car across two days. So, yeah, pl- plenty of mileage and uh, the body will probably feel it tomorrow. But, um, no, I feel like we learn a lot with the car. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling yeah, I'm feeling pretty pretty happy with where we ended things with the day. And, um, yeah, the car is actually – yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what to expect. Obviously, you hear things from from other drivers and stuff, but um, yeah, I think we can we can work on it. And I mean, look, it's it's probably like the old car when that first started, which I wasn't really around for. But I'm sure straight out the box, it um you know wasn't perfect. And up over ten years of refining, it's only natural that it's going to go quicker. What do you sort of notice are the biggest differences between a Gen 2 car and the Gen 3 car at the moment? What really jumps out at you as a driver and you go, oh, okay, this actually is a pretty different beast? I'd say the uh, the aero or lack, lack thereof, uh, especially through the sweeper, uh, turn five at Winton and also like turn two uh, where the cars would normally get pretty loaded up off two and, you you know, you'd nearly be full throttle. By, uh, by by the, by the apex of turn two, you might have a little lift between one and two, but you'd be back to full pretty quickly. Where these cars, you're still sort of hanging on for dear life in a way, and and they really like to power slide out of two and up the hill, and and yeah, turn five, you're really working the wheel a lot more. Which I, I mean, that's kind of what they were going for, and, and for as a as a fan spectacle, you know, the cars are going to have a lot more body language about them and I'm sure as as um, someone watching in the stand that that's going to be you know what they want to see um, so yeah probably just the, the amount of movement the cars have um, you know actually in ways they feel similar to a to a gen 2 uh, I mean they're quicker in a straight line like we, we reached sixth gear well we reached sixth gear in the old car but we weren't in it as long uh, into yeah. turn one at Winton so they're definitely faster in a straight line you, know, you can see that if you compare to the old car but um yeah, I guess different braking package. Um, the steering, you know, feels a little bit different to our old our old cars in terms of like steering weight. Um, but overall, I mean, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know what the cough car was like when it first hit the track. Um, so I, I've only really been privy to driving a cough car in it, you know, the last couple of years of of, of, of its existence. 
there's been, you know, a bit of talk about how, you know, like you mentioned, the rear of the car is pretty lively. I mean, you, you logged a lot of laps. I'm guessing you probably got a reasonably long run in at some point. Is it pretty physical to drive when you're starting to get to the end of a long run in one of these things? Are you going to feel it when you're doing longer races in these cars? I think um, maybe not so much physically, but I think mentally you'll be like you're, you're very uh, – I feel like you're very alert in this car. I'm not saying we weren't in the old car, but I feel like yeah. you could get in a rhythm – well, I mean, like I said, only second day in the car, but I feel like you could get into a rhythm easier in the old car in a race room where with this car, it's there's, you know, there's a lot more going on um, and, you know, you don't have front and rear any roll bars to, to tune on the fly. It's kind of however you start the stint is, you know, that, that's what you got at the end apart from less fuel and you can do, a, you know, obviously brake bias adjustment, but that that's about it. The rest... The rest of it is is on you on on uh, your, your um the way you use the pedals and, and the steering wheel. Um, Did you but, find yourself looking for a bar at some point, <laughs> trying to trying to change that? I was at one point. I was like, oh, it'd be nice to nice to bring the rear bar down right now, but uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly couldn't do that. But that's okay. I mean, it's the same for everyone. But uh, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is going to be looking after these tires because, as, as I said, that the cars move around so much more. Um, the rears are probably going to be well. I think the rears will definitely be going off sooner so you know just like at like any time you're going to be driving to a number and i think that number is just going to be slower so we're, we're going to be probably driving around at a slower pace to try and just conserve these tires to make them last and you know who knows what they're going to be like when we, when we get to newcastle whether i might have to do an extra stop for tires i don't know or or you'll just be yeah, running around just trying to hang on so um yeah well it, it's exciting in a way to see who can manage their tires the best do you think we're going to see better racing from what you've sort of understood in the last couple of days? I mean, I, I, I get a little worried when I hear guys talking about driving to a number and having to really conserve. Do you think that the cars are going to provide what supercars wants them to provide, which is closer, better racing? Oh, I mean, I hope so. I haven't um, in the two days that I tested. I, I never really got close to a car. So, um, yeah, I, I really don't know at this point. It, it's still a little bit of an unknown um, from my point of view. Um, obviously, it'd be nice to – to ha- make sure to hope that we have better racing and, and stuff like that. I think, um, I mean, they are a wider car on um, the, the same with street circuit at Newcastle. So it might be a little bit tricky, but um, yeah, it's, that's, that's, a, I, I don't I'm not sure at the moment yet. Um, well, I guess we'll wait and see in, in a few weeks. And last one, let's just talk about the actual look of the car. I think it's a pretty, pretty good Castro livery. Um, what do you what do you reckon? You know what, Avial, I couldn't agree with you more. I'd say it's a it's a looker. <laughs> it is a looker, and you know, it not, is not being biased, but uh, you know, I reckon it's the, the best uh, best uh, livery out there. So, uh, well, yeah, best definitely the best Ford one. Um, but you know, they do a great job um, designing those cars, and obviously working with with our designer Duncan, and, and also. The, the team at Castrol BP um, to, to come up with a livery like that. I mean, it's pretty simple, which is, you know, which is generally the way the Castrol liveries are. But this yeah. year we've got chrome red. Where last year we only had it at, at Gold Coast. So um, to have the chrome red is it act like in person or in the sun? It, it really stands out a lot. So it's uh, yeah, I love it. Looks great.
Let's move on to the news that broke last Friday evening, Stefan, which was a barrage of formats and tyre compounds and garage orders and all sorts of stuff put out into the world by supercars. Um, We'll start with the formats, Stefan. Now, bear with me as I run through what is happening where. So we'll kick the season off with the Newcastle 500, which, of course, will be two 250-kilometre races. That same format will be in play for the Townsville 500, the Gold Coast 500, and the Adelaide 500. The three-race Super Sprint format will be used for Perth, Tasmania, Darwin, and the Bend. The Sydney Super Night will have a staggered format with a 200-kilometer night race followed by a 140-kilometer day race. Then there will be the Sandown 500 and the Bathurst 1000 with their single races over their traditional distances. As for qualifying, the three-part knockout will be used for the first race in Perth, Darwin, the Bend, and Sydney. And there will be top 10 shootouts for each of the races uh, at Newcastle, Townsville, the Gold Coast, and Adelaide, as well as Sandown and Bathurst. So the Sandown qualifying format is actually quite traditional with the race to the grid format, a thing of the past. Stefan, what caught your eye from all of the format noise? Yeah, I guess there's not a lot of significant change when you look at it overall. They've largely stuck to what they know, which is fair enough considering the big picture there with Gen 3. But the the best thing clearly is having the Sandown 500 back, which we already knew about. But I am a bit torn on that Saturday format. You know, that race to the grid where they had a couple of qualifying races was a bit clunky and it was a bit drawn out, but there was something about it that was fun. I mean, I I love the co-driver race in particular. You know, giving the part-timers their own race was a great way to kick off the endurance season. And, yeah, without something like that, it feels like the Saturday of Sandown is the weakest Saturday of the year in terms of entertainment. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% right. And the thing with the race to the grid was, like when you got that co-driver race, it really was a moment where the co-drivers just got to go at it and it really was just co-driver against co-driver because we really don't see, mm. you know, when you're talking about it in the in that context of a 500 or a 1,000-kilometer race, even if you do have the majority of co-drivers starting, there's obviously from, from lap one at Bathurst, there's a bigger picture in play that is affecting the pace at which anyone is running. Um, and then, you know, you've got co-driver practice sessions, but practice sessions are not a form guide by any stretch of the imagination. And then it was a chance to actually see who's got what and who's where and, and, and you know, watch these guys actually race. Obviously, they weren't taking big risks, but I always, I always found it quite interesting. And I hate complicated formats, but that one was kind of worth the complication. Yeah, it was, it was funny too because there was always a lot of talk and kind of hype about, oh, this is going to be chaos, the co-drivers are in the cars, but it actually was often cleaner than the primary driver race that would come after it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not like it caused heaps of carnage, but, uh, yeah, they've gone away from it, so uh, it is what it is. Let's move on to tyres. Now, the hard tyre will only make a single appearance this season, and that is at Albert Park as part of a mixed compound format with the Super Soft. The Super Soft will also be used in Tasmania, Darwin, and at Sandown, and the Soft will be used at Newcastle, Perth, Townsville, Sydney, the Bend, Bathurst, Gold Coast, and Adelaide. The headline from that is Bathurst, where traditionally it has always been the hardest compound available. What do you make of that, Stefan? Yeah, well, the reason they've been able to do that is the fact that the Gen 3 cars are around 100 kilos lighter, give or take. They haven't actually landed on a final weight number yet, but they definitely have a lot less downforce than the Gen 2 cars. So the load shouldn't be as high across the top, which was always the reason why Dunlop had gone for the hard at Bathurst. So with all that in place, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out in terms of a lap time. Like it sounds like the new cars are pretty close to the Gen 2 times already in the testing 
And at Bathurst, yeah, they'll be slower over the top without the downforce, but they'll gain a fair bit back under acceleration with with less weight. So, yeah, as always, Bathurst is the event where everyone's looking at the number, right, more so than anything else. So, uh, yeah. yeah, plenty of uh, intrigue ahead of October already. Yeah, that's right. It'll be interesting to see once we do sort of get moving where where the lap times do sit and whether we are talking about you know, how incredibly quick. Because it, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about, well, are these going to be the fastest laps at Bathurst anyway when these low downforce cars come along and they won't be able to get anywhere near them? But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether where they actually sit comparatively and, and what sort of idea of that we get um, across the first season heading into Bathurst. Let's move on to a bit of Super 2 news now, Stefan. So this Zach Best thing is quite interesting. It seems he does really want to go and win that title and prove that he deserves to be in the main game after being overlooked for the Tickford seat that went to Declan Fraser. He's kind of dusted himself off and put together a program for the year that will give him a chance to go and to go and do exactly that. He'll be competing against Tickford in, in Super 2 at least, driving a Mustang for Anderson Motorsport. And then it seems the plan is that he will then join up with Tickford for Sandin and Bathurst in the main game. Stefan, you reckon Zach's going to be pretty tough to beat to the title here, second the last couple of years. And, you know, we've had a fair bit of movement out of that series with guys either stepping up to the main game or moving over to Trans Am. Um, what do you reckon? Who Who's going to be able to take the fight to him in, in the field as it's shaping up at the moment? Well, yeah, I certainly agree that with the speed that we've seen from Zach and the experience he has now, you know, finishing second the last couple of years in Super 2, he certainly is going to start as favourite this year. The little caveat is whether Anderson Motorsport can operate at that level that the main game teams will. But they've recruited yep. Brendan Hogan to engineer the car, who was recently at BRT and is very experienced. So that's a, that's a good sign for that program. And, yeah, overall, it's going to be a really great year to follow Super 2. Like, there's a lot of exciting rookies to to watch this year, I think. Like, you've got a few guys who have come out of Porsches, like Aaron Love at Blanchards, Ryan Wood yep. at Walkinshaws, and Cooper Murray at Eggleston's. And then there's, yeah, last year's Super 3 rivals, Brad Vaughan and Kai Allen. Like, they should be up there somewhere as well, you'd think. Like, Vaughan has a great opportunity there at Tickford. And Allen yes. is very highly rated, but he's another one in that four-car Eggleston lineup. So we'll see how far they're stretched and, and again, whether they can they can run with those main series teams that are operating these Gen 2 cars. Absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to see for sure. All right, let's take a look at what's happening around the world. Oitanic overcame a rapid Craig Breen to snap a near 13-month WRC winless streak for M Sport in Sweden. Reigning world champion Kelly Rovenpera finished fourth after a quiet weekend. Jean-Éric Verne beat Nick Cassidy to win the inaugural Hyderabad E-Prix as international motorsport returned to India. Luca Marini topped the preseason MotoGP test at Sepang ahead of Francesco Bagnaia. Jack Miller was 16th fastest after crashing on the final day. Second generation racer Charlie Wirtz wrapped up the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceana title with a win in the final race of the season at Taupo Motorsport Park. On the same weekend, Chloe Chambers made history by becoming the first female racer to win a race in the series with a race two victory while Callum Hedge won the opener. And the covers have come off Oscar Piastri's first Formula 1 car with McLaren launching the MCL 60 yesterday. Okay, Castrol mailbag time. We're going to go with an actual question this week rather than (laughs) an unpopular opinion. So Angus Cooper asked, with GT3 and sports car racing gaining huge popularity, 
Do you find GT3 a good platform for supercars teams to expand their business and skills? I can see a possible advantage of more driving time, more advertising opportunities, and opportunities for drivers to drive overseas as a positive. I can, however, see a possible clash with TV rights, etc. Well, Angus, if you use Triple Eight as an example, there is there are obvious benefits like giving the main game drivers more laps in other cars. But the big benefit of a GT program is, of course, that it generates income. It's customer racing. So Triple Eight wouldn't do it if the business didn't make money from it. And that's the primary reason that that program exists for them. So, you know, as a professional race team, it's a great idea. You've got the stuff you need to run race cars. So why not, why not generate more income for the business uh, and have some of those additional benefits, like having somewhere to plug SVG and Brock Feeney into on their spare weekends while also, yeah, I mean, but it, it makes money. That's, that's why they do it. That's the primary reason that they go GT racing is to just bring more money into the business. Yeah, that's that's the reality of it. There, it doesn't wash its own back with commercial sponsorship, but um, yeah, finding someone to pay for it, it's customer racing, like you said, and and Triple Eight has done it very well. Like no surprise there. And not only is that those cars that they run for for the princes there from Malaysia, but they're actually the local agent for the AMG GT3 and GT4 cars and parts. So they've got a whole business empire structured around that. So outside of Triple Eight, like we have seen other supercars teams go in and out of GT3 a bit over the years with sort of varying involvements. And there's certainly some teams sniffing around at the moment. You know, teams like Tickford and Walkinshaws are trying to deploy some of their resources that aren't actually required under Gen 3. So Walkinshaws yeah. had a couple of Audi motors go through their engine shop before the Bathurst 12 hour. And certainly their team principal, Bruce Stewart, was a very interested onlooker in the Audi garage at the racetrack. So, yeah, I'm sure there's there's interest there from those teams. And, and also the fact that there's a Ford Mustang and a Chevrolet Corvette coming to GT3 racing in the next couple of years, that's not been lost on these teams either. So I think it is a, a bit of a watch this space in terms of uh, supercars team involvement in GT. Alrighty, let's hand out some Castrol stars of the week. This week, my star is going to Charlie Wirtz, the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceana champion and son of ex-Formula One driver Alex Wirtz. Um, but he doesn't get the star for winning the title. He gets it for his helmet, Stefan. I've, I always loved <laughs> Wirtz Sr.'s helmet, that kind of funky sawtooth design that he had during his Formula One career. And, um, and Charlie's based his own design on that with some sort of fluoro yellow and pink thrown in there. And I just reckon it's... Uh, I reckon it's very cool, and I know it just brought back some memories of you know watching Formula One in the early two thousands, uh, seeing that helmet sticking out of a race car. It's a beauty. It's a classic example of a helmet that you could actually draw with some crayons, you know, rather yeah. than the, the sort of fancier, more intricate designs we see these days. So it's a it's sort of a cool throwback. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it, and to me, it is Castrol star worthy. So, uh, so good on you, young Wurtzy. You can have a star, <laughs> Stefan. Who gets your Castrol star this week? Well, I'm going with Oit Tanak, as you covered off in the news. He's made M Sport a winner again in just his second rally back at the Ford team. So I think it's it's great for the WRC to have Ford properly back in the fight there against Toyota and Hyundai, and it's actually shaping up to be a really good title fight there. Absolutely. I wonder if our mate Tommy Howard has uh, thawed out after a weekend trudging through the snow in uh in Sweden. Anyway, that is it for this week. Remember to like, subscribe, and review our work wherever you listen to your podcast. And we'll be back next week with more Castrol Motorsport news. Every lap in under a minute. 
means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars unforgettable. Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication and so much more for all sorts of makes, models and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.